Hi, welcome everyone to the Across the Globe Film Festival. Uh, my guest here today is David Bellantoni. Uh, David Bellantoni is a casting director, and for 20 years he has been. Um, he has cast a wide variety of projects, such as national network commercials, network promos, political ads, feature films, short films, documentaries, corporate industrials, music videos, PSA webisodes, and voiceovers, and probably more. Uh, some of the directors that David has worked with include David Fincher, Tom Hooper, Tony Scott, Peter Berg, John Singleton, uh, and many more. He has also guest lectured as a professor at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, um, as well as Pace University, which happens to be my alma mater. Um, David is also an award-winning playwright and theater director who has been who has uh, produced in Los Angeles as well as New York. Uh, he is a rare combination of casting director, writer, director, and professor. They say musical theater majors are a triple threat, uh, but David seems to be a quadruple threat in the industry, and we're so lucky to have him here today. Welcome, David. Thank you. I, I, I want to start off because you, you do have uh, quite a unique background. Um, I, I would, if I dare say, uh, a little different from um, other casting directors. So I wanted to ask you, did you get into the industry through casting or was it through a different medium? No, I was originally, um, I had a whole other career. I studied political science. I went to Washington. I was going to go into the State Department. Um, and then uh, when I moved to Washington from California, where I originally went to college, or from New York, but I, uh, once I realized what working at a huge bureaucracy would mean, I realized it wasn't for me. So then I moved back home to New York and I started getting into the film business through production. So some of my earliest things on production, I worked as a PA and I worked as a prop person, a property master in the art department. And I worked as an AD production manager. And uh, so it's working as an AD, which is basically working with the actors on set and making sure the director has what he or she needs. Um, I started to do that. That was my way in. And uh, my way into casting was, I actually got injured on set and I had to leave for a while. I had a, a grip drop oh. a huge plank on my head by accident. We were doing like, you know, eight, 18 hour days in a row up on the mountain in California and people were tired and it was windy and it was cold. And one of the, one of the guys in the grip department was holding up a big board and it just he lost control of it and it slammed me in the head and I had to leave the business for several months because I I had basically concussion and everybody as you probably know in this business is freelance so once the job is over everybody's looking for another job well I wasn't available so other people took my place so as I recovered I um, was working on a script with a with a writing partner he says you know what a good friend of mine manages the casting studio this was in LA in North Hollywood, you should go meet him. And I did. And did you? I met the guy. Great, love you, love you. We should start coming in. I'm like, this is actually easier than production. I uh, was like, I don't have any more 4 a.m. calls. Um, it's basically, you know, 9:30 to six. Uh, I was very comfortable working with actors already, and um, and I got. I did, so I just started assisting casting directors uh, in running sessions and running camera. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you already got the horror deal of, of how a film set works and everything yeah. before you even got into casting. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think is very helpful for, you know, anybody. Uh, you realize how much a collaboration 
everything in film or whatever production it is. It's everybody matters. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's actually really interesting that you studied political science before uh, you went yeah. in. I was actually quite, uh, maybe this is normal for casting offices, I don't know, but I was uh, surprised that you also cast political ads. Um, and maybe I'll jump around here a little bit, but I, I I'm just really curious about that. How, how do you cast political ads? How does that work? Well, there weren't many of them. You know what, uh, you know what it is? That, that's mostly voiceover. Oh, okay. That's a lot of VO, as you can imagine. You know, look at like, I don't know if you've seen the like Lincoln Project ads. Um, yeah. I had nothing to do with that, but a lot of that is is voice actors. I see. Okay. A lot of, so a lot so of, what, what, when the politicians start shaking hands, those people aren't extras, they're real people. Yeah, well, you know, those, yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of political ads are, are you know, found footage from, you know, campaigns or, or things that uh, politicians have said over the years or news footage. And then, so you have a really good editor, but then you've got a really great narr narration, uh, voice narrator kind of going through and putting the story together. I see, I see, yeah. okay. Wonderful, and, and did, did you uh, get started on writing while you were casting or, or did this, did that already start before? That you, was before. You... Okay. Yeah, yeah, I started that. I had, a, I had an English minor, so I always wrote. Um, and uh, I actually started writing plays first. I mean, it wrote, I wrote screenplays early, but I realized like how they're very difficult to get made. <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, you write a feature screenplay. It's like, yeah, I need a few million dollars. That's not easy. And as so, opposed to if you, I was, as, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no worry. I was going to say, as opposed to a play where you can just do a reading or do a small production. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's really why I was tired of, of having uh, you know, so much of my work sit on shelves. And I hooked up with people who were theater directors first, actually, believe it or not, in Los Angeles first. Um, and you don't think of LA as a, as a great theater community, but there's incredible amounts of talent out there. Uh, actors, directors, so many people move out from New York and a lot of them still wanna work in theater and it's, it's not the same kind of level of theater you find, but uh, there's a lot of stuff out there to be done. And, um, and that's where I was like, you know what, I, I, I want to see the work up. I want to work with actors in rehearsal. I want to workshop. Uh, and, I, and I realized how much I love doing that. Because um, when I write, I, my, my work, I'm not too precious about it. I believe, you know, after working with actors for so many years, everybody who uh, collaborates to make uh, the piece better. And so yeah. through workshopping and rehearsals, I, you know, I love seeing how things improve based on what I started. Yeah. Well, that's actually a question just came up in, in my mind because you know, I have a bunch for uh, the actor's point of view, but maybe for those who are writers um, you know, that are constantly writing scripts for short films or for feature films uh, and they're hard to get picked up, as you said, would you re recommend maybe someone writing a, a play version of that, putting it up on its feet with actors and then eventually transitioning into film or you think those are just two completely different things? Not at all. Not at all, um, because I mean, this may jump ahead a little bit earlier, but we talked about my film Three Kings, which yes. your partner John Fessler is is sales agent for. Well, that started as a play, so I uh, I love adapting it. So it's it's if you're comfortable adapting something from stage to screen, uh, and I've adapted things from like prose, like a, a short novel, to a play, and then a script. I've done all three. 
and uh, it's a great, I think it's a great challenge as a writer to do that, right? Because film is a visual medium. I think theater is so much about dialogue and relationships. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's a wonderful thing to get uh, the project up on its feet. Like with Three Kings, I, one of the best things I did was is cast the same actors. So they already knew the characters really well. So that was cast, a mad ca Oh, cast the same actors from the play to, to the film. That's right. That's right. So I didn't have to spend all this time in rehearsals. They, they knew the characters cold. They already had, they already had a run. And yeah. uh, so that was so, that was wonderful. So then it's a matter of just tweaking performances and, and uh, managing the technical elements of filmmaking and uh, bringing the, the uh, performances in a little bit. And, uh, but I didn't have to sit there and coach the actors about their, uh, the characters and the relationships. They had them down. Yeah. So that's that was, uh, super. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend that if somebody's comfortable doing that. I think it's 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 a wonderful thing to do. I'm because one of the people who I uh, uh, who I really you know look up to as a writer is Shanley. So think about him, or you know, so many other great writers have gone up front, like Sam Shepard too. So those are two playwrights who, but they also have written scripts. They also worked in film. I mean, Shepard was also an actor. Right. Uh, but I think um, I think it's a great creative thing. It shows range to be able to move back and forth. Yeah. And I assume you're also the casting director on on your film that you directed. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Bye. you know what? Let Let's jump into the festival and and just to brief everybody, uh, Three Kings is uh, a film that that you made, um, and it has been submitted uh, into our festival. Um, and I, I wanted to mention, you know, that this is a festival uh, festival that's going to be, you know, really open to everyone. Um, I, you know, there's really no limits as to what you can submit. I'm sure there'll be rules and regulations and those kinds of things. Um, but I wanted to ask um, for the filmmakers who, you know, may be casting films that are short films, that are indie films uh, with not big as budgets as professional productions. Um, and those directors... Um, and the people making those films that may not know everything about casting, um, and they also may not be able to afford a casting director, um, or like I said, just may not know anything about it. What would you, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Maybe some casting 101 um, when they're looking at actors through Actors Access and backstage. Um, what would your uh, advice be? Yeah, I mean, Actors Access and backstage, definitely. Uh, but use your you know, if you're kind of in the business as an actor director, I mean, use your network. I honestly, sometimes I'm casting a reading right now. I went through my Facebook friends and my Instagram friends. Now let's face it, a lot of my friends are actors, but a lot of times I go through, it's like, oh, right, I forgot about this person. I want to read them. So, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, easy way to do it because it's, uh, of course you can uh, supplement stuff through Actors Access and casting networks and uh, backstage and all that kind of stuff where you submit and you get all kinds of things back. But um, I mean, I, for me, it's just, I, I'm fortunate because I know so many actors. So it becomes um, a key thing I would say is not only finding the actors, but really make sure the, the puzzle for casting is about actor availability. And that can be very difficult managing all of that. Yes. Because if you got, well, you got eight to 10 people and you need everybody together and, say, you know, maybe you need four people in one scene and four in the other. And if you're, or if you're casting a play or you need rehearsal, you need everybody there. Um, 
that's the big challenge. Everybody's got different schedules and you really have to make sure that, um, that you could lock that stuff in. Because a lot of times you start losing people. Oh, I've got this, I've got that. So some, you just have to make sure you have backups ready to go. You know, during the middle of production, I've had actors, you know, book off, book out because they got an episodic TV and I'm paying them for a, for a short play, which is not. Right. And uh, so because I know actors who are, at, you know, who are working actors, I can't tell them like, okay, you're going to give up $50,000 for my play right. where I'm, I'm paying you a couple hundred, you know, a couple hundred a week. It's a generalization, but there's theater for theater's sake. Uh, a lot of people in LA are like, they, they, they love theater. They still want to do theater, but they want to do theater so they can be seen by a TV agent. <laughs> um, right. And that can, you know, sometimes that happens. Right. Not all the time. I know plenty of LA actors who are like, take it really seriously. But I had that happen personally in a couple of situations. And the actor was like, oh, you know, a couple of them were like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, you know, but I have to, I need the money. And like, you know, what can, what can you do, you know? It's I mean, because you have such a, a strong background in theater, um, do you view actors with theater experience a little bit differently than those who may not have that experience, possibly in, in L.A.? Most of, the, most of the actors I deal with have, have all of it. The L.A. resume often will have film and TV first, and the New York resume will have theater first. It's usually the strongest. Okay, yeah. Uh, in the resume where you, where you kind of, where you have the most um, credits. But, uh, I mean, in my experience, every actor who I've dealt with has done a little bit of all of it and wants to do all of it. I'm sure you're the same, right? I'm sure you want to do, of course, theater, but I'm sure you want to branch into TV and film and all the other things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the biggest difference for me uh, in casting is when I'm dealing with somebody who has a musical theater background and I'm dealing with film or something on camera and I really have to bring them back. They want to play to the back seats. And I'm like, right, I'm right. on a, a <laughs> of you, right? You've got it. You've got to like, I mean, just intimate. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay, I can do that. No, no, no. Let less. Just bring it. Bring it way back. Right, right. That's always a challenge for me. Yeah, and I think it's just so. We, we had a guest, uh, Dan Rod Rodriguez, who, um, you know, works behind the scenes on films, but you know, he's also really into directing, and that's something that he wants to branch out into. Um, and I was actually surprised to hear from him how he realized how important casting was um, that he didn't realize before, you know, because from the outside, it just, it seems that there's, you know, thousands of actors out there, you know, th there must be enough where you can, you know, put one and one together. But um, he, he also mentioned that casting isn't just a job, you know, he, he, it's really an art because you have to put these puzzle pieces together um, and you, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you only have a limited amount of time in the casting room or from the self-tape you receive to, to really have that insight and, and knowledge to know what works best um, yep. and so forth. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. To me, I think it was Kubrick who said that casting is like 75% of directing. A lot of directors have said that, especially if it's a character-driven piece. You know, it's one thing if you're shooting some sort of image-oriented thing and it's geese flying over a mountain okay but if you are you know dealing with characters i mean it's like you to me it's the writing and casting if those two things are there your job as a director is just so much easier it's just a, a great cast um you know it just makes a good project on paper better 
in my experience. I, yeah, I think it's so important. I, I mean, any project I want to get involved with, I really want to be heavily involved with the casting because I, I really believe in that. Uh, and sometimes I work hard to get somebody in a role. And sometimes I meet somebody and I know immediately, like, you're right. Sometimes it's just a gut feeling. But yeah, yeah there is an art, but there's administration to it. Like you're saying, it is a puzzle. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'm watching the Sopranos podcast right now and I'm getting these backstories about all these different people that read for these different roles and then that didn't work out. And then they shifted over and got cast to a different role. Um, and, uh, that happens, that kind of thing happens a lot, uh, in my job too. We'll, we'll maybe read somebody for one thing and then like, well, maybe let, let's try out for this other role. And oftentimes it really, you know, it works out or some, sometimes somebody's not available or somebody gets sick. Um, you know, people drop out all the time. So there is definitely administrative side to that. But the, uh, the human side is, you know, I, I can't, for me, I can't emphasize how, how important it is. If the, if the writing and the casting isn't there, I think, you know, mm. your project is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have that ready to go. Well, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask also, right, you know, I mean, as a cast, you as an actor, don't you agree to that? I mean, how important no, it is? I, yeah, I mean, I can certainly, I, I think writing, especially when you sort when I receive, whether it's a scene or an entire script, um, if it's if it's good writing, it sort of naturally comes out or it's easier to, to get to where I need to be. Um, if it's not good writing, uh, and when I say not good writing that, you know, it, it could be, uh, you know, a short film that's written by someone who's new to the industry, but it can also be just a generic network TV show that is just uh, not very well written. And right. then I just have to try harder and my choices have to be a little bit more. Uh, you have to work you know, harder. Specific. Yeah, I have to work harder. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, the, and the hard work may not, may still be mediocre because the writing is just not getting you there unless, yeah. you know. That's yeah. the director, and you ask the director, "Do you mind if I improvise a little bit here?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, you know. I, I sometimes uh, when I watch TV shows, uh, and there's it's just like really bad writing, uh, and I have a friend next to me who who may not be an actor. He's like, "Oh, it's such bad acting." And then sometimes I can really pinpoint. Oh, I, I feel like that actor's trying really hard. The writing is not so well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially um, if the dialogue is is stilted or clunky and. You can see the actor really struggling to, because uh, that's another really great art form is the is the writing of dialogue and writing the way people actually speak, and not yeah. this kind of stilted thing where it's like no people stop and start and they pause and you know they're they're you know bits and pieces of sentences and fragments. That's you know you gotta you really listen and, and listen to the way actual people speak and especially if there's a right. cultural element to it or an accent element to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I sometimes, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but sometimes when I'm in subways and I hear something that sounds interesting, I'll just start recording on my phone yeah. and then label, you know, uh, people talking as, as characters. And sometime in the future, uh, there's a character that I, you know, sometimes just refer back to. I'll just play the recording and just try to get the conversation yeah. uh, and the whole, yeah, the, the had, essence had, of it. I had head. a friend of mine, I, I did a show years ago and I had a friend of mine go on the subway and and record conversations of people and I end up using it in the show as, as part of like a soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for like, yeah, I mean, that's a great thing about New York is it's, you know, it's a, it's characters. I, I mean, obviously not in the pandemic now, but outside of that, 
it's you know there's characters everywhere and that's the the beauty of really just observing people your relationship as a casting director with directors and producers whatever you may be casting whether it's tv or film or theater a lot of the times you know you don't have the final say it's uh it's someone else um someone who is you know does have the final say like i say the director of, of a show director of a film producer of a show or a commercial what is your relationship between all those people and do you favor one over the other a lot of the casting I do is short form commercials. So yes, basically they're our clients. We work for them. Um, so a lot of my, you know, the best relationship I have is with the director. That's the most creative person, but I do have to do, deal with the producer in terms of whether it's a SAG job or not. And, uh, and what the rate is the, the actors getting paid and what the scheduling. So the administrative stuff deals, uh, but a lot of the performance elements, uh, I'm working with a director. So in the end, uh, you know, the first call, when we bring actors in for the first audition, that's really all about the casting director's um, taste uh, and skill and, and knowledge of, of good acting. But then when we get the callbacks, we're still really important, but a lot of times we're advisory. Yeah. So it's really, when, it, when we come down, when everybody let, leaves the callback room and we're sitting there and we're going through the puzzle and working through um in the end it's it's really the director and, and at and if, if they, there's a ad agency involved uh, the ad agency also is very involved with uh choosing so really there's a political element though there there too because when i've worked with a-list a directors you know like the finchers etc the the ad agency will just step back and let david pick but sometimes there's a newer director you know 26 years old out of NYU, and that person has to kind of look over his or her shoulder all the time, while the agency is really the person with uh, the, the element with the power. Um, so it does shift, but in the end, it's true. It's like um, the, the final decision is, uh, is not really mine necessarily. There's a lot of times they're not sure, and they'll be like, David, what do you think about this person? This, are they easy to work with? Uh, what's their exposure like? Have they been seen too often? Do they have any conflicts? Um, those kind of things, but it's really rare in casting where I'm, where I'm in a room and a callback where I'm like, this is who you're picking. Bah, 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 bah. It's really the director and the ad agency making the final call. And don't forget, then they have to, then I edit out, I have to put together a selects tape and then the director and the agency have to go to the final client, which is like the Coca-Cola executive or the person from Tide or Colgate Palmolive or Crest or whatever spot we might be doing. So they have to take, so it's a number of different hoops that, uh, you know, it's by committee. And so I tell actors like this in class, it's like, you know, just a lot of times it's not you. Yeah. It's not that yeah. you blew a line. Yeah. It's like these, all these other things come in, you know, they're looking yeah. for diversity. What about younger versus older? This right. person's not available. We want to have a family that looks like this person well, that actor was the best, but this person, we need to build a family. So they all have to resemble each other. So there's all kinds of elements that come in um, where it's not necessarily that the actor screwed up. It's all these other decision by committee. Yeah, I, I was, you know, when I was in school, I learned, uh, just like you said, that the casting director, you know, many of the times does not have the final say. Right. Um, and it's usually someone else, but, you know, your job is really to, uh, give the actor what he needs to make the performance better or closer to what they are looking for. 
Um, And so for ever since that point, I always, you know, thought of a casting director as uh, sort of my rehearsal mentor uh, in that sense, because I think the best thing for a casting director, correct me if I'm wrong, is if the actor just has the best performance possible. So it's not so much that you're looking at which actor is better. You're trying to get the most out of every actor. So then the decision becomes easier. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, we definitely, um, you know, I tell actors like we're on your side. We want you to do well. That's why we're submitting you to the directors. Like we don't want to submit somebody who's wrong. So yes, you have to be right for the spec. There's no question. Yeah. So if yeah. I've got, you know, Caucasian and African American, 25 to 35, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking at submissions for a 70 year old grandfather. Right. You know. Right. But so given that you are right for the uh, for the spec, then absolutely, um, I'm one of those people who work very hard in session to get the uh, best performance and, and sculpt it the best I can. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm submitting the best of the actor. Yeah. On that particular day. And, and I, I have to say, uh, you know, ever since the the pandemic, and you know, we as actors, we have to submit more self tapes. I sort of miss that uh, direction that that I would have one on one in a room, um, because I, I you know an actor. Uh, or I hope that most actors, you know, come in with certain choices. Uh, and then those choices come out of, you know, the homework you did from the, from the script reading, uh, breakdown of the scene, um, and then, you know, adding a little bit of your own flavor. Um, nevertheless, these choices are always at risk because in the long run, you don't know what they are looking for or what it's going to be. Um, and every time you get feedback from the casting director, it's like, oh, there's, there's another hint that just got, you know, solved. Another mystery that I had, you know, working at my desk at home. Now I know what it's about. Let me quickly adjust it to, to, to what they need it to be. Whereas now with self-tapes, you just really just have to be confident in your choices and you send it off into the abyss and, and hope for the best. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's definitely, it's a challenge now for the actors to do that. And I have so many actors who talk to me. is like, yeah, I miss being in the room with you. Yeah. Because, yeah, just to have another person, it's like it's also you're not getting all the information because it's really, we get the information from the director and then we bring it down to you. Sometimes there's new information that comes in during the day. That's a little bit of a shift because sometimes the directors, we, you know, will request, Hey, can we see uh, some of the submissions and they'll look at it like, ah, now shift the direction here. We want to have that. Um, And then there's sometimes where, you know, I'll see something really amazing from an actor, uh, maybe about 1130 or 12, and, uh, and I'll decide to shift my direction based on that actor. Something that that person did is like, wow, this person really nailed that moment, really found that adjustment, really read the script, really improvised it in an interesting way. And uh, yeah, all of that is missing when you're doing that from home. So yeah, I, I totally get it, you know, it's, I mean, thankfully we can still have that, but uh, you know, the business is not the same. Yeah. Do you, and, uh- that was going to be my next question, but I think you kind of answered it. Um, if an actor, you know, changes your mind as to what you were looking for to what you are now maybe looking for. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, there's sometimes, you know, if I'm working with a director who is, you know, in some cases, like if you're dealing with big pharma jobs, there's no improvising. It's written by attorneys. So it's, you're really, you know, kind of dealing with, with tone mostly, but if I'm dealing with a director who really wants to see some improvisation uh, and an actor shows me, you know, something really interesting or cool, because a lot of times you're, you deal with 
there's a lot of repetition in what you're doing, dealing with the day. And, and a lot of times actors will come up with the same stuff and I could tell that they've rehearsed it. So it's not really fresh. It's not really improv in the moment. It's something they thought of in the waiting room, like, yes, this might be good. And I could tell the difference as opposed to somebody who's like completely in the moment and firing off something that just came into their head. And that to me is like, that's more magic. Yeah. And, so, and that happens but, a lot with, with commercial uh, auditions, I yeah. find. Yeah. But even in, in other, other situations too, where it's like, you can, to me, like that's, that's superior acting. That's a better, that's a better performer who is just has more confidence. It doesn't have to lean on something and comes in. It's like, has, has the backbone, has the anchor of, of whatever the script is or the copy is, but is completely open to whatever, you know, a pigeon flies through the window and they're going to use it. Yeah. No? As opposed <laughs> yeah. to, oh my yeah. God, I, uh, can we cut the, you know, somebody else is like, you know, for example, self tapes now where we're, we're dealing with people in their apartments and, you know, I've seen dogs jump through the frame and people in the background barbecuing and drinking beers and cursing and the good actors like they're using that. Yeah. You know? and, that and if yeah. it's really good, that's the take I'm sending. Okay. Well, I, I, I have a question for you because I find, I found that during the pandemic, the, I don't want to say quality, but the way that actors self tape now, as opposed to before, um, where I, and maybe I'm wrong. So correct me if I am self tapes were supposed to be very strictly, you know, perfect, your lighting, your background. Um, and now I actually just took an acting class, um, and I'm an acting studio. Uh, and you know, the the teacher sort of said use everything you can uh, meaning whether it's it's props or your background uh, even add a little bit of music um, just to make it as real as possible because you are now in control of your environment whereas mm. in the casting office you may you know uh, you know you you have what you have whether it's a chair to close your wearing now you have so much more accessibility so that when you submit your self tape you can really stand out um, how do you feel about that uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if that person uh, that you spoke to is, is that is that somebody academic or is that somebody who actually works in the business? Because in my an actor, view, an actor, an actor. Okay, so but not casting or a director. Um, I get yeah, yes, there's something to that. I do think self tapes have gotten better in quality because people had to. So yeah. the audio quality is better. The video, people, more people have webcams. More more people have the blue backgrounds. So yes, I think being at home affords you all kinds of stuff. And I, I was in a, I was teaching classes the other night. I was like, is it okay that we use props from our house? I'm like, well, absolutely. If the script calls for it, if you're just unilaterally you know, using stuff because you want, you know, you need a right. blanket right. to hold. But if it's in the script, I, absolutely. Go get, you know, whatever you need to get. Uh, that part is cool. But I think the, the technical elements of, of audio, video, lighting, framing has gotten better because actors have had to do that. Self tapes used to be horrible, uh, yeah. but now you know, now it's part of you know so much you know it's it's the majority of our business you know, almost entirely now. I have not cast anybody in person since March. Yeah, and now I do believe uh, that this is actually you know I think there's going to be. It's going to come back in person casting, but I think this thing, this is going to be with us. Is it harder to read chemistry um, when you're doing maybe, you know, a, a chemistry reading virtually rather than you did in person? Or my, a better question would be, 
can you see the chemistry yeah. uh, virtually? Yes, I think you can. Absolutely. Yeah, you can read somebody. I can read you. Uh, like, can you read the chemistry between two actors or if it's one actor and, and I'm directing them? I think either way I can. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Between actors, and I think this is something that actors in the back of their minds always think about. Um, and there are a bunch of answers out there, but is chemistry natural or can someone work for it during an audition? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, if it's there naturally, I think the best actors can open themselves up and, and, and find that chemistry. Um, you know, to some extent, chemistry is like, it, it's kind of hinges on uh, how open or closed are you when right. you're on camera. And I think a really good actor is like, you know, okay, here's, you know, you get one actor who's really open, the other one who's kind of locked up and nervous and, and kind of just, you know, not in the moment. Uh, that makes it hard for the first actor who's trying really hard to, to remain open and find that chemistry. So it really, um, I think a lot of it, it, it depends on how open that person is and how flexible, how confident, how committed you are to that particular character and the relationship as it's been written. I think the writing of it matters, right? If the relationship is bullshit, the way it's written, and it seems it doesn't feel like it has layers or dimension. And you're kind of like, well, I don't even believe it on the page. I think that makes it harder. But if you have a really wonderfully developed uh, relationship in the characters and you've got some good actors, then, you know, then even if on the Zoom thing, I think it can work. Nice, nice. Um, David, I wanted to now transition into your role as a professor. Uh, at many institutions and, and now at Pace uh, University where you teach. Uh, is there anything you found uh, found out about actors working in a classroom rather than behind a casting desk? Um, I've been, I see, I've been doing, I've been teaching for almost as long as I've been casting. Um, the difference with Pace, I, I teach professionally at, at other places in the city where you've got actors who were 20 years old and actors who were 70. So that becomes really interesting. So you've got, when I'm in pace, uh, you know, all you guys are 20, 21 years old. And so the difference for me was like, you guys come in, you all know each other, you know, kind of goofing around, or, you know, somebody sleeping with somebody maybe. And, you know, you have all, all of this stuff <laughs> happening where in my professional class, everybody comes in and they don't know each other yet. So there's, it's, it had, it, there's a shift for me in that, though when you've got, everybody's still kind of figuring themselves out or in the pay situation, you, there's clearly, you know, clicks and things like that. Um, but I, you know, for me, the classroom situation um, opens it up for, um, you know, casting can be quick. Right, somebody comes in the audition a little bit and then they leave, but class, if I'm in a classroom for three hours, it, um, it allows me to get to know the people better. As a pro professor and also a casting director, uh, is there anything that you always like to ingrain in actors that you wish you would see more in casting sessions? Mm. Um, Can also include maybe you know, your own pet peeves um, yeah. Or something that would just make maybe a performance better, just an overall. Yeah, I mean, they, I go through a, like a list of pet peeves and there's basic things like just, 
um, you know, show up on time. If you're going to be late, let me know. Turn your phone off. Uh, go to the light. I can always tell a green actor is like, you know, there's the camera. Go opposite the camera. Go to where the light is the brightest. Don't walk behind the camera. We're not having coffee together. Right. Uh, so there's, you know, and I think early on, you know, the kids at Pace are just, you know, they're not used to that. That's why I think it's just a great thing. You know, Pace being in New York, for example, right? Because now you can have, you get all the things, you get Alexander Technique and you get all these wonderful things that you can learn in, in academia and you're reading Shakespeare and, you, and you're, you're dancing and you're taking your sword fighting and you're working with accents, you're doing all this wonderful <laughs> stuff. But a lot of times actors coming in with this great degree don't know what to do when they get into an audition room. They, they don't have technique yeah. for that. Yeah. And so when you have people, you know, academics and actors can come in and do that, yes. But when you have casting directors and industry people coming in because they're in New York or if you're in LA or maybe also Chicago, Atlanta, wherever. But um, if you're in a school outside of those areas where you're not really getting industry, I think you're missing out. Yeah. So I think, you know, yes, early on with some of my auditions at, at Pace because the kids are just not ready. They haven't been. And, uh, you know, a lot of them get really big because they're theater people. Uh, the performances get very big or, you know, they're not sure how to handle close-ups. They don't, un they don't understand the, the elements of camera versus stage. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, a lot of it is professionalism. You know, the stuff about just your basic stuff about being on time and, and you know, understanding how to be a professional. Yeah. And being responsible. And do you find actors that, you know, are already experienced to have uh, maybe big agencies or big managers who who still lack that type of professionalism? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think they can get away with stuff. Not many of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, lot, a big one is like, if you're going to book, if you're, if you're going to, if you're really good, you get, you get a call back and then you book the job, then you blow the job off. Um, that's a really big deal to not do. Um, because people have, you know, I described earlier what it's like, um, the casting by committee. So there's a lot of work that goes into booking you and getting that done. So if the actor's like, yeah, you know, I got these other things to do. I, that's a booking and they're just gonna like fly off somewhere. There's a lot of blowback that happens after that. Um, because the director will, will yell at us and we will yell at your agent and then your agent will yell at you and keep that on a calendar and make sure that you have all that stuff. That's part, part of your job. It's like, to me, it's like, I tell the kids at Pace, it's like, uh, you are kind of running your own business. Yeah. Mm, yeah, we, we, we've, we've been told a lot of that as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Because a lot of times, you know, yes, when you get your agent and your manager, but if you don't tell them, what if you do a self-submission and you don't tell anybody and then they want to book you and then, but your manager is already, and your agent has actually booked something for you as well on the same date. And now you're kind of like, oh, fuck. Oh, I forgot to tell you. And now, you know, that becomes, you gotta unravel that stuff. Yeah. How do you look for actors when you're casting something? I mean, you know, we, we know the obvious thing where you reach out to agencies um, and you have them, you know, send you their best actors. Um, but, you know, there's always that, that notion in the actor's head that a good audition will uh, have the casting director remember you. 
Um, is, is that true? And, and if so, um, do you, you know, just keep the headshot and resume or do you just, you know, have it in the back of your head that you remember this actor wasn't right for that role? I have something coming up. Um, how many of those actors do you bring in as opposed to just the general route, route of reaching out to agencies? Oh, we'll, we'll mix it up. Yeah, definitely. Yes, we will definitely, uh, you know, reach out to the agents and managers that we like to work with, of course. Um, but it can't always be the same. You know, directors don't want to see the same. They want to see, you know, new faces coming in too. And so, yeah, there's there's people who, it's like may may have come in months ago, and and uh, and I'll say, yeah, you know, I'll remember. They're like most actors, like yeah, you won't. But then, like maybe eight months after, I'll be like, I'll call them in, and they'll say, wow, you remember? Like yeah, I told you I would. Wow. So, <laughs> sometimes there is that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cat. I'm trying to cast somebody right now in, in something, uh, and she was in a play of mine in the '90s. And uh, and I've met so many people, but she's like still, of course the, the character's much older now, but it's a similar, you know, it's it's, it's a the play's been rewritten, and I can make this particular couple older, but she's still perfect. As a casting director, you know, it's a every actor wants to get discovered, but I also uh, you know found out that casting directors also uh, you know have goals to discover someone of their own. Um, is that something that you share? Uh, and if so, uh, do you want to share, you know, anybody or uh, actors along the way that? Uh, oh yeah, my God, I love that. I mean, you know, I've uh, through the years I've I've worked with a lot of people who shot up, you know, and uh, and some people who I've helped along the way. I mean, the best thing is like when I have an actor come back and be like, you know, the fact that you booked me on this thing is I can get my health insurance, I can have a down payment for my house. I can start putting a kid in college. Uh, I have a very good friend of mine who like blew up. She's on Cobra Kai now. And now, you know, I knew her on Instagram is like, you know, 56, 56 likes and followers. Now 40,000 <laughs> people. Yeah. Uh, I have another good friend who- uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good show too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, she plays one of the leads. She plays the girlfriend um, and uh, I used to cast her all the time and work with her. And, uh, and another person who uh, was in, in one of my one man shows and she's, and now he is uh, kicking butt and now is a series regular in the Ethan Hawke series about John Brown, uh, which is on Showtime and he's second billing. Um, and so I've got, you know, I've got a, a few people who are like, who've hit it on TV recently. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people on HBO and of course Law and Order is the New York things. Um, but yeah, over the years, it's like, it's, I, I love it when people who I've worked with shoot up and make something of themselves and it's exciting, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I love it, you know, it's, yeah. you know, but I, keep in mind, like this business is very, you know, they're not always going to be on the top of the mountain. True. You know? you know, it's, it's interesting you say that I just read an article about uh, Regina King's movie uh, that, most likely will definitely be Regina King in Los Angeles. What's that? I used to audition Regina King in Los Angeles many years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Well, she, she wrote an, or there was an article about her, um, with her, her movie. Oh God. It's called, uh, I think one night in Miami. Um, I think they asked her why she didn't use, you know, big stars in her film. She knew this was going to be something that was going to be potentially big. 
And she said, well, none of the big stars wanted to audition. Mm. And so she went, you know, the, the casting route. Um, and now, of course, it's uh, a success, um, may even be more of a success. Um, and that just goes to show how important casting is and how important yeah. it is for actors, even like you said, at the top of the mountain to, to, to keep that rhythm uh, of auditioning. Yeah. I mean, some shows, you know, God bless them there. They will, uh, as opposed to requiring big stars to get it made, will decide to cast a lot of great actors who not who don't have big names yet, and then they'll be broken. They will break through as a result of the series. Uh, and that's happened in a lot of cases. Maybe you've got one big star, but then you've got a lot of people who kind of like really strong working actors and then they explode. Yeah, and then that's where the chemistry part comes in, you know, connecting those different types of actors. That's right, that's exactly right. And I think it, it, takes, it takes guts for some producers uh, to go with that. You know, because they always they always want the sure thing with a huge name star, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be successful. Yeah, and I also wanted to say, you know, sometimes I'm sure you you watch with a much more keen eye when it comes to casting when you watch shows and movies. Um, you know, I, I watch for the acting uh, when I watch material, but sometimes it's very obvious that the acting is very good, and sometimes there's a bad apple here or there that maybe sometimes just breaks the the dynamic that could have been um yeah. do you see that a lot yeah yeah no it's true i mean you just you have you got a great rhythm set up with two or three actors and then another one can come in and i've seen it yeah it's where it just you know requires everybody especially when it's like rhythm back and forth with dialogue bah, 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 and all of a sudden you get to that other person and it's like it just the energy just drops and um yeah you can really tell and it, it can it impacts everything it impacts the way the you know, sometimes it's hard for the other actors to recover in that moment. And um, yeah, so every, you know, every role really does matter. And I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that many times in auditions where, um, you know, clients will say to me in the callback and say, wow, we really like this dude. You really think that person, you know, what, what's the story, what happened there? I said, well, that particular actor pulled the energy away from those two. That do not think that those two actors are, are wrong or they're bad. It's just they were impacted by that other person. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about just from an actor's point of view where I can do the same scene with two different actors um, and all of a sudden my, uh, not, not only my energy, but just my choices sort of get rumpled up in my head. Um, and it just comes naturally as if I didn't know what just hit me. Um, right. Just from the, the tension or looking for, for the right word, but just sort of the air uh, between you. Also, it just happens in real life when you sort of start acting like somebody else it's the same for when i have a character prepared and my character now starts acting differently because of the relationship with right. whatever actor i'm working with exactly that same thing happens in real life when you're meeting a new person or you're yeah you're interviewing for a job and it's just yeah. you, know, you can meet one person one day and then you go oh you got to meet so-and-so in a different department and wow this first person i felt great about the second person like gave me nothing yeah you get yeah. this this wall and that of course is gonna you know impacts your real life can impact you in performance. Yeah. Uh, David, we are we are running uh, just uh, right under time. So I'm going to uh, ask you uh, our uh, favorite last question here on the show. If there's something that you want to talk about that maybe I missed, uh, please let me know and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll squeeze it in here. Um, but if not, uh, I will end with what we ask uh, every guest which is what are your uh, three favorite films uh, of all time? 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And and they they oh, can't be oh. films that that you cast because that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> yeah. No. But I have you know. Let's see. Right. So off the top, Godfather one. Network. Inherit the wind. That goes even farther. Right. Um, yeah. That's off the top because like I asked. I, I know. I know. And sometimes it'll shift. You know. Depending on what day it is. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. There. But usually, like, I'll, I'll pick from, like, a Sidney Lumet or a Martin Scorsese or, um, you know, somebody in that layer. Uh, those are my favorite people. I mean, I could go into Moonstruck. That's another favorite of mine by far. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I land. Uh, super, super. Too, so it's like with those, that kind of era uh 70s mid 80s um is what i aspire to and what i remember well i'll certainly uh watch it maybe we'll we'll have you back uh, on the show for a critique of some of these films yeah uh, and david is there any way that our viewers can find you on social media uh blogs that you write anything like that yeah you can go to uh, davidbellantoni.com i've got a site and it kind of lists all the things it's got uh the plays that i've done and the, and the films and you know what i do it's kind of casting training film theater that kind of thing so it's, it's it's pretty much set up like that so they can find me that way wonderful yeah. uh david really thank you so much for joining us here today um you are going to give us a huge boost uh, for our podcast because i'm sure that our listeners will be very intrigued to, to hear um of what you said here today um and you know we'll let you know if any feedback uh from some of our viewers but uh you know they could always go to your website and find out more David, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and I wish everyone a uh, good good evening. <laughs>